welcome to another episode of the Chronically Healing Podcast with your hosts, Jesse Fritz and Christina Singera. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we are back. Yeah. Within well, they don't even in know. The new year. Right. They don't even know that we're like, <laughs> we like stopped doing the intros and now we're doing the intros like yes. ahead of time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we've been loving it. It's crazy because they'll be hearing this episode in a couple of weeks, but yeah, that it's already like mid-February when you're I, hearing this. I cannot believe it. It feels like 20, what was it? 2020 went mm-hmm. by very slowly. It felt like 10 years. Right. 2021 went by lightning fast and right. now 2022 is like a blur. It, it's not even speed. It's like there's a whole other dimension happening right now. Right. I know. <laughs> it's just, it's insane. I, my birthday was just a couple of days ago. Oh, so yes. happy yeah. birthday. Thank you. Just turned 34. I think. Oh, nice. I'm, 30, <laughs> I'm 34 too. I'm yeah. 35 in May. Yeah. You're just a little bit older than me. That's right. Um, But yeah, it's like, it, it's one of those things that I'm just like, it's so strange. I feel like I stopped understanding birthdays after like 27. Like I haven't felt anything older than 27. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, it is, it is what it is. So we had a pretty relaxing weekend doing just like birthday things, but very nice. But yeah. But yeah, otherwise, like, I feel like everybody hates January and I'm just sitting there like, no, it's my birthday. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, on? I love January. January is my month. Mm-hmm, right. Yep. <laughs> Are you a resolution person? I'm like a goals person. So I do like setting goals and resolutions, but I think last year, like I set a whole bunch and I made like this whole big vision board and like absolutely nothing like went my way in 2021 and it was like really hard to look at at the end of the year so I wanted to set goals this year and make a vision board but make it more like attainable but also just like more broad less specific I know a lot of people like to do super specific but I actually felt like it made me feel worse at the end of the year when I wasn't able to hit any of those things so I tried to make them a little bit more you know just a little bit more like trying to fall back in love with fitness or, you know, working on my uh, relationship with food, things like that, instead of being like, lose 15 pounds, Mm. like get pregnant, like all these things, you know, that like, um, but yeah, are you, do you do resolutions and goals? Well, what you were just describing to me is process oriented. James Mm -hmm. Clear talks about that in Atomic Habits. And I love that idea of becoming a certain type of person versus focusing, hyper-focusing on the outcome. Mm -hmm. I like that too. I used to be very focused on the outcome. So want to lose X amount of weight, want to do this, want to do that. I really like the idea of baby steps. I shared my journey recently about how I started walking a lot. So I walk about 30 to 60 minutes a day and I started out at 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. just 10 minutes at a time. I would set my timer for five minutes each way. And that I now have so much less resistance to my daily walk because I built up to it. Mm -hmm. And I really love that approach. I think we should take that approach with pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Otherwise we try to go from zero to 60. We go from couch to keto and (laughs) 60 minute walks and 90 minute workouts. And then we feel frustrated because we can't sustain that. And yeah, so I'm really big on that. Mm. I would say I do that. I I definitely set more process oriented goals. I try to think of like, okay, what kind of person do I want to be? Right. Who do I want to be this year? What negative limiting beliefs do I want to let go of? Mm -hmm. And also what positive, amazing beliefs do I want to step into? Mm -hmm. I try to really be on that wavelength. 
I love that. And with my, I'm pointing at my screen. None of y'all can see that except Christina, but, (laughs) um, when I made, I like, I do like making vision boards. I just like seeing, you know, pretty things, but this year is the first year that I added photos of myself versus just like, you know, some random person that I happened to find on Pinterest and like times when I felt my best self or like, I love that. Yeah. I have like a picture of me when I'm really little, just being like this, you know, fun, smiley, crazy little kid. And it just reminds me to, you know, listen to like my inner child and to like, you know, just those kinds of things. But then there's other pictures on here. Not all of it is me, but I feel like it just gives me a little bit more connection to this vision board versus like using random pictures of people on the internet. Um, And I've really liked that because I can look at these pictures and remember like how healthy I felt in this picture or like how fit I felt here or how good my relationship felt here. And it's, it's kind of like a reminder for some of the things that I want to change about myself. That's really just bringing myself back to me. So that, Oh my gosh, that's such a fun idea. So you still do the magazine cutouts and whatnot, and then you print the photos of yourself and add that to the board. So I did mine all in Canva actually. So I just like uploaded everything. I have it set as my desktop on my computer and then I just printed one out too. And I I freaking love this. I'm going to officially do this. Yeah. I love doing magazines. I get them from my buy nothing group. I get a bunch of magazines from people and I started mine and I usually put a picture of someone that kind of looks like me and embodies my energy. But I mean, why not just put myself? That's a good idea. Right. I mean, you know, some of the things, if you're trying to get something that you've never had before, then maybe you have to put a picture of somebody else. But for me, like trying to get back to feeling healthy, um, I wanted to put pictures of of when I felt that way before, because I have felt that way before. So, okay. That's an excellent idea. So everyone listening, put yourself on your vision board. Mm -hmm. I also like that from, if we want to get woo about it, a manifestation perspective, it's really putting out your energy Mm -hmm. versus, I don't know. It just feels like a deeper level of manifestation Mm -hmm. when you're actually using you versus like a model or whatever from a magazine. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. We're just giving tips that have nothing to do with the episode, and I'm here for it. (laughs) So let's talk about the episode. Yeah. Kind of what to expect. I think my key takeaway from it was that I think we think of journaling as, dear diary, this is what I did today. Mm -hmm. And what I took away from this is that journaling is so much more than that. You You can really give a lot more meaning to it and depth to it. And you can get away from the dear diary and fo- and step more into future casting and mm-hmm. focusing on what is and isn't working in your life. For me personally, it is like therapy in between therapy. Mm-hmm. I will dissect thought patterns. I will write out what is frustrating me. I will ask for downloads on how to handle situations. So freaking powerful. I fill up a journal every single year. I do it at least four or five days a week. So that was something I took away because I just love journaling in general. And I love how we also talked about trauma and nurturing your inner child, all of the things. So what Mm -hmm. were your, what was your, your biggest takeaway? Yeah, I loved those. And one of the things that I had written down was, um, a post that she had put up and we talked about it in the episode too, which was at the root of all chronic illness, there's a deficiency of self-love. So we really dove into that and like the self-love side of it, how difficult it's been for all of us and how we've seen that kind of come up with our chronic illness too. And I think that that was a really interesting space that 
I feel like self-love and chronic illness are connected a lot, but I think we don't think yes. about it in that way. So yes. I really like that. Oh my that. gosh. Yeah. And I think in general, we always, I'm actually going to be doing a video on this today. We, we tend to think of ourselves as broken mm-hmm. and we think of, for example, I, I am sick. I have a sickness. I have an illness right. versus an illness is currently expressing itself within, within me. Mm-hmm. That kind of made me think about that and mm-hmm. how we start to rewire that a little bit and we can start to trust ourselves and our body again. So mm-hmm. yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I think so much of illness, we've talked about this with other guests. It's so, so much deeper than just the body deciding to be ill one day. Right. The yeah. body is responding and saying, I can't keep up with mm-hmm. these demands on me. So I'm going to respond with these messages and give you nudges. And then eventually I'm going to give you shoves, mm-hmm. you know, until you get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. We really hope you love this interview with Allie Ramos. We're so excited for y'all to hear it. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Chronically Healing Podcast on whatever podcast network is your favorite. Make sure that you join us over on Facebook and our Facebook community, Chronically Healing. Um, I'll leave the links down below for all of that, as well as our Instagram, Chronically Healing Podcast over there. And let us know who you'd like to hear from next. Otherwise, let's jump into Allie's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Christina. We're so excited to be back with another episode for you guys. And this week, we are interviewing Allie Ramos. We're so excited to have you here. So welcome to the show. We're excited to talk with you today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. So why don't we jump right in? Why don't you tell us a little bit about you, who you are, and then we can kind of dive into your story with chronic illness. Yeah. Um, who I am. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) I know this is always such a difficult question. (laughs) I know. No. Um, so currently I, I know Christina knows this, my husband and I just moved out of the U S so we're about, I guess, three weeks into being expats. We are currently living in Costa Rica right now. Um, just kind of finding our flow, finding our routine. I talk a lot about mind body connection. Um, I am a mind body coach. So what that means to me is um, I work a lot with people in the mental health space, a lot around anxiety and depression, um, but I connect that with the physical um, body as well. And that really came from my own experience and my own journey with healing. You know, for a long time, I was stuck in the Western medical model um, with my own chronic illness. And it wasn't until I really started to marry the relationship between physical and mental health that I really truly, in my opinion, started to heal. I think also I've talked about this a little, my background is in veterinary medicine. So Mm -hmm. I have 15 years of experience. Um, I'm a licensed uh, veterinary technician in the state of California. I still am technically. And I just kind of moved up and went from working in general practice to ICU um, and then into management where I kind of got the taste of codependency, which I talk a lot, talk about a lot as well and lacking boundaries and, and what that does to us, how that shows up physically. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of my story. That's how I got to where I'm at now. I no longer work in veterinary medicine. I have my own business that I just started. It's very new. So I have also entered into the solopreneur space, which mm. is a, its own mental health journey. <laughs> yeah. It's also a little bit say. of a mind F, right? <laughs> right. So much, I, was actually, yeah. I, I was just, I had to make a list of 50 reasons someone should work with me. I have a coach 
Yeah. And at first I thought I wouldn't be able to do it. I was able to do it. But one of the things that kept coming up was that owning a business or being self-employed is self-development on steroids. Mm-hmm. I have yes. never done this type of work on myself the way that I have since becoming self-employed. It's a non-negotiable too, because if you don't mm-hmm. do that work, you will feel so lost and mm-hmm. unsure. It's hard to be your own boss and to set the rules. How many days do we just want to crawl in bed and watch Netflix instead of actually <laughs> do what's on our to-do list? Or maybe that's just me and I'm outing myself. I don't nope, know. No, I feel no. that. <laughs> yeah. It's like today I'm giving up. Okay, tomorrow I'll try again. Yes. Oh, no, the next day I'm gonna give up again. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. 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 I understand. And I've been at this now for six years. I left corporate banking. And it's just so interesting. I, I, I'm still grateful that I left. Let me just be clear. I like having various freedoms mm. that I didn't have. I think more so now that I'm a mom, mm. they say that being a mom is like having a full-time job in addition to your other job. And yes, <laughs> I think it's nice to have that space if I need it. So one day I just took the day off and I didn't have to get congressional approval. <laughs> so right. that was cool. <laughs> but then, you know, of course, having a paycheck that we don't know if what, what that's going to be. Like there's there's pros and cons. Mm. Allie, I'm curious with you, just having moved to Costa Rica, being self-employed, how has it been mental health-wise? Because you're in this new environment. Obviously, you're going to make friends at some point. But it's you and the hubby just in this little bubble, if you will. Have you found yourself starting to use a lot of your coping skills as you make this transition? And what are some examples of that? Because you're in this entirely new environment without all of your comforts, right? Oh, yeah. Um, So I guess I should have like prefaced to we did what is called around the world trip in 2017. Mm. So moving wasn't, I guess, logistically as scary um, because we had done something similar, right? Like we've sold everything. We put, you know, what we um, kept into a storage unit. We've done that before. Um, But when we did it the first time, I think my mental health was probably in one of the worst places that it's ever been. Um, and traveling is only going to highlight that more, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say moving to Costa Rica is slightly more comfortable. There, there is English. Um, we both studied Spanish. We both lived in Colombia for four months um, and we both have started Spanish again. Um, but that is its own mental mind if it feels say in itself, <laughs> right? Cause like, it's not my first language, just doing something simple, like going to the grocery store is a challenge, right? Like we don't own a car anymore. So if I want to go somewhere, I have to ride my bike there. It's there's a continuous challenge, but on the flip side of that, um, it's very simple. Right. And I think a lot of the times my mental health was fed by getting lost in the details of things. So, or my poor mental health, I should say, was getting, was getting lost in details. And it's very easy to overcomplicate things. And I would say living in the U S it's super easy to do, you know, like you need laundry soap, you go to target or, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things that you don't even think twice about that is an everyday challenge for me now. Um, and I like it. I would say I like it. It's lonely though. Mm Um, and there have been bad days. Like I, you know, I'm not even going to lie about it. There was a day where I was just like, I don't know anybody like, um, obviously I'm here with my husband, but I'm a firm believer that it's not just the relationship between us two, right? There has to be other people in the relationship. Um, so I, you know, yeah, I lean into some of the tools that I know I have. I've journaled a lot more. Um, I FaceTime friends, 
you know, we have SIM cards here so I can use my phone. I can text back and forth. Um, I think now it's just kind of finding the normal routine because we are working. We're not mm-hmm. just vacationing. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers some of that question. Yeah. And I wanted to expound a little bit on the getting lost in the details. I love yeah. that, that idea. I think so many of us get stuck in that state of being. What are some examples of ways that you, when you were here, got lost in the details and self-soothed or numbed yourself to get away from those uncomfortable feelings and emotions? I think a lot of, I mean, I think I can give you a better example of what I mean. Um, I don't know if you follow your new frequency at all or have seen her work, Christina. No. Um, I'm gonna mess up her last name, but it's like Furia, I think. She put out this guide maybe like, six, eight months ago. I'm not exactly sure. And it's basically just about the power of manifestation. Mm. And I remember reading that, like even seeing some of her content and being like, okay, so I just write about like my dream basically. And like, (laughs) they're just cool. And then it happens like Mm. what, but that's actually, that's not what it is at all. Um, (laughs) and I actually brought this up, like the details part in my, I do a group coaching class, um, Monday nights. And we talked about this last night. And one of the things we talked about was, even in manifestation, right? It is getting very specific with what you want out of your goal or your life or whatever it is you're working towards, right? Especially in a coaching space. But it's not to be so specific. Like, um, for example, I have dreamed about moving here for a very long time, right? And COVID put a wrench in moving out of the US for years. And I was so specific with my journaling, right? Like, what I wanted my house to look like, what I wanted my days to look like, right? Because that is part of manifestation. But when that didn't happen, because it's been actually very challenging to find a long-term rental right now, um, I was like, well, then my vision's shit. Like, this isn't going to work. Like, no. And then I realized like, oh, that's the details part, right? Like, no, the vision still happened. I am here. We made it here. Um, I was told that there was no way that I could get my English bulldog to Costa Rica and I made it happen. Like there, there are things that happen. The vision still happen and is happening. It's just very easy. And, and I think I did this more often than not living in Sacramento. Like it is very easy to get lost in those details and get upset and give up or just not try anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. I see what you're saying. So for you, the details was my life isn't going exactly according to this list that I have written down. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think we do that. A lot of us do that. Mm -hmm. Culturally, we have that like weight on our shoulders. And that's a very poor coping mechanism. Like Mm -hmm. I am aware of it. Like um, sometimes I'll try to do um, the prompts with my class and I did do one last night and I believe the prompt was um, perfectionism. Oh, sorry. No procrastination is just perfectionism taking the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. And it, it, what came up for me is the details, right? That's the perfectionism in me. And the coping mechanism is to just make sure everything is perfect. But what about when you're looking at a scale of like doing and perfect, like there's this whole other section in between, right? There's good. Mm-hmm. And we get sidetracked from like, Hey, this thing happened and it was good. Like good is enough. It doesn't have to be perfect all of the time. Mm -hmm. Can I give you an example? I have wanted land for a long time. I want the type of land where you look out and you don't see where it ends. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I manifest about this, write it down, all the things we bought our, our 
house about two years ago and it's the most land I've ever had. It's only a quarter acre, but to someone in an urban setting, that's a big that's a lot. lot. Yeah. We have like a massive backyard in my head though. Oh, it's only a quarter acre. It's not what I really want, which is that expansive view and all the things. And so I find myself getting lost in the details and not being appreciative of this huge space that I know not many people have to roam and plant a garden. We're even thinking about doing a tiny home. So I, I love, love that, that you, yeah. yeah, I love that you, you bring this up because I, I think that this can parallel so much so with our mental health, which then is going to contribute to our physical health if we're stuck in our head about all the things that aren't working. Have you also heard the saying of asking for what you want or better? I've been mm -hmm. trying to do that. So instead of yeah. saying, I have to have this thing, well, I mean, I'd be cool with something better too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I was just thinking that when you were saying that, it's like you have a quarter acre right now. And like, yes, that wasn't when you wrote down whatever your vision or in your head, what your vision is, right? Maybe it's not a quarter acre, but maybe it's more than that. And you just haven't seen it yet. Right. Or it hasn't happened yet. And I think when we get lost in the details, it robs us of that space of something different or something better, right, than you've even imagined. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you walk right by it. It could be right mm -hmm. in front of you and you just walk right by it. It's that sign that you miss because you're so steadfast on this thing happening. Mm -hmm. I, I love that viewpoint for sure. What's, what's interesting is you brought up the mental and the physical health component. And I have definitely caught myself doing that, especially in my own healing, like physical healing journey. Um, I, I know Christina knows this, so I have, well, I don't identify as having this anymore, but I'm sure if I went to a doctor and they cut me open and did a laparoscopy, I would still have endometriosis. Um, but I have had five surgeries and I have stage four endometriosis. Um, and it's been exactly a year since I've had a flare. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a really hard time even admitting that. So I wouldn't say anything out loud to anybody because I believed like, oh, if I say something, then I'm going to have a flare. Right. Um, and then maybe uh, like three months ago, three or four months ago, um, I went in just for like a physical with my regular doctor and he looked at me and he was like, yeah, your thyroid's like not even. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like not even. And like, of course that's where my like Western trained brain kicked into high gear. And I was like, oh my God, like if I have hypothyroidism, like what? Oh my God, it's over. Mm -hmm. And I sat in my car and I cried. I was like, this is it. Like now I have another, um, at the time I didn't know if it was Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. And I'm like, great. Now I have another autoimmune disease, like one after the other. And I like, I was like, where is this coming from? Cause I had like this full panic attack, um, waiting to go and have like the ultrasound done. And, um, of course, you know, my doctor didn't get back to me. So I had the ultrasound done and it's almost like the more, you know, sometimes isn't always that good. So mm. like I could read my own ultrasound report and I was like, great. So it's uneven. Like, that's not good. That's not normal. Even though he told me, he was like, eh, some people just have uneven thyroids. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like, okay. And that's when I started working with functional medicine doctor. Um, and so, you know, I was in that space where I was like, great. So now I'm gonna have thyroid, like a thyroid problem forever. Like it's not Hashimoto's, but it is you know, under-functioning. And I, I'm like, so great now here's another medication. And it was just like this spiral. Right. And, and then I caught myself thinking like, 
what makes you think that you can't also heal from this? Like you've done years of healing. Like what makes you think that you can't also? So yes, I take medication right now. And I instantly, like within two days of taking the medication, I was like, whoa, this is what energy feels like. This is, (laughs) whoa, this is weird. Um, But yeah, it's the details, right? Like I got so anxious and health anxiety is a very real thing. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but being in the holistic space, it's like doing all of these things, right? You have to do all of these things or you're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And somehow in my mind, I was like, well, I'm not doing like an infrared sauna and I'm not, um, you know, doing castor oil packs and I'm not all of these things I know work to support it, but I, you know, I'm also in the middle of literally moving out of the U S and, you know, like there were other things happening at the time. So I went through this, like, I'm not doing anything and now I'm going to be sick for the rest of my life again. And it's just a different thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I kind of had to like talk myself down and be like, no, that's, that's not the case. Like you are just here right now. That doesn't mean it's for forever. Yeah. I can connect with that specifically in the last year. I've really, I've actually pulled away a little bit from the functional and holistic, um, just like focusing on it all the time, just because I feel like I did get a little too tied up in those details. Like you're talking about like, you know, the infrared sauna, the coffee enemas, the 35,000 supplements, the having to eat this food, even though it makes me feel like shit, but I have to eat that way because that's what this functional medicine doctor said. And it, it finally got to the point where like I sat down, I mean, it probably wasn't all in one day, but I like sat down and I'm like, you know, I feel worse now than I did before. And a lot of it is because I'm so stressed out on focusing on all these details. Like I'm so stressed out on like being perfect, like a perfect chronic illness person. Otherwise, like I'm never going to be better. But then when I sat and thought about it, I'm like, I actually feel worse than I did before. And it's not, it's not because of holistic or functional medicine by any means that's been extremely helpful in my healing, but that like extreme focus, that extreme, especially those of us that kind of sink into that control and perfectionism state is like, Mm -hmm. can be more detrimental than, than eating, you know, rice one day or something, you know? So it's just like, it's, it's really easy. And I'm sure a lot of people listening can totally connect with that. Like, how do I get away from being so specific and so perfect with everything I'm doing? Right. Jesse, I love that you're saying this. I've recently shifted even in my coaching practice with clients to only focusing on three things at a time, Mm -hmm. because I noticed that if I gave them, I actually had a coach where I got this whole list of all the things that were wrong with me and this whole plan. And I felt really overwhelmed because I was supposed to go from doing none of that to doing all of that. And there were 15, 20 things on that list. Mm -hmm. So with my clients recently, I said, okay, we're going to focus on three things. And once we feel like we've mastered those three things, they don't take a lot of effort to do or remember on a daily basis. And it just feels like they flow with our daily rhythm. We'll move on to another three things that we want to adopt. And I think that's been such a pivotal shift in terms of adherence even because people aren't getting overwhelmed and feeling like they can't do it and getting the perfectionism and all the things. I totally agree with you. When being in this space, having a podcast where we talk to people and just being nerds about all the things, I also think 
being HSPs and empaths, mm -hmm. we are really connected to every subtle shift in our bodies. So you pair that with all the things we should be doing, and it's just the recipe for overwhelm. So I, I definitely think that it's important to find balance there for sure. And it's just so funny that you mentioned that because I've been starting to think about that even with my clients and myself. Hey, mm -hmm. let's not focus on a million things at one time. Let's fix this and then move on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and you just said it there. We should ourselves, right? Like what should you like? No. What do you want to do? Right? right. Because for me and where the pivotal shift with my healing really came into play was working with, um, a trauma therapist, right? So like really taking into account the root of why I even had endometriosis, right? So if you ask a Western trained doctor, they will tell you, oh, we don't really know, or retrograde backflow, or this theory, or this theory, right? And if you ask somebody that studies like the root of the issue and what stored emotions do, for me, it came down to really addressing the shame that I carry. Mm -hmm. And when I started working through that, and let me tell you, that was not fun. I think about some of the therapy sessions and like, I was, I felt physically ill after some of them, mm. but that's when my physical symptoms really started to lift. And I stopped shooting myself, right? Like if you talk to a really good functional medicine practitioner, some of the things that we should, should whatever, or want to do are free, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. grounding. I know Christine, you talk about that all the time, spending 20 to 30 minutes directly in the sun. Um, that's free right? Mm -hmm. Journaling, free, uh, really getting clear on what your core values are. That's free, right? So it's like, I appreciate the supplement space because I take supplements, right? Like I take good vitamins. I love gut health. I love all of these other things that I would never have heard about in the Western space. But I now remind myself like, hey, some of the most essential healing things are free and they're simple. And for me, that was part of like, okay, yeah, I'll move out of the US. Like I'll do it. It's a challenge, right? Like back to this whole space of like adapting to it. Um, but it's the simple things and it's not getting lost in details. And I think for me, that's been a really big deal in my healing journey. And Ali, you've said before that all chronic illness is rooted in trauma. I love this statement. But I'll tell you, I also felt a little triggered in a good way because I love to be challenged. What do you mean by that? Because I think when someone hears that, they're going to mm -hmm. feel like maybe the excuses or the reasons that they've had up to this point aren't valid or mm, they're going yeah. to feel like, okay, well, I, I don't even know where to begin. So can you explain what you mean by that when you say that all chronic illness is rooted in trauma? So... I was extremely triggered by that. I will tell you that. Um, especially right when I walked into this therapist's office and I am Western trained, right? Like that is all of my background to me. When someone told me I had this autoimmune issue, it was my life diagnosis, but I could manage symptoms. Right. So that's, that's what I was always going in with. And when and he was um, subtle about it, right? He didn't come at me all at once because I would have been like, you're stupid. What are you talking about? That's not true. Um, I would have been extremely triggered. There were moments that I was extremely triggered. Um, but I, I slowly started to investigate what he meant by that. So the, um, the book, When the Body Keeps Score, um, 
or sorry, the body keeps score. The Jesse, other book- how many times have you heard about this book? I love it. I Every, know, I we have, have at I've least three guests to mention it. I know. I have it's it on my phone. A hard read to it. Yeah, it is. It's a hard read. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to like, take especially the away. childhood stuff. Now that I have a kid, it mm-hmm. makes me so sad that a child would ever go through those things. Yeah. And you know, I talked about this on another podcast that was in when she asked me specifically about the, sh- the shame. She was like, so you're saying like, let me make sure I understand. You're saying that you have this because you had shame. And my answer is yes, mm-hmm. that is what I truly believe. Um, the other book I would highly, highly recommend by Gabor Mate is when the body says no. Mm. So I guess like to kind of back backtrack to answer your question, my belief is we are insulted, right? Like we have these things that happen to our bodies that set us up to be more exposed to an autoimmune issue or a chronic issue or the reason, and I I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but this is another belief that I have, right? We've seen in the last almost two years now, right? That normal, healthy people, right? Normal, healthy people, quote unquote, are getting really sick from COVID. How do we explain that? And in my opinion, it's, and I, I remember going into a therapy session, asking him like, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? I'm just curious, like these normal, healthy people. I know someone that's like 34 and she's hospitalized. Like, what's your thoughts on that? And he looked at me and he said, do you know her mental state? Do you know her past? Do you know her childhood? Do you know what her body story? And of course my answer is no, I don't know any of that, but that is something that the Western medical model leaves out, right? We don't take that patient history into account. And I would say that's something that veterinary medicine is actually really good at because our patients don't talk. Mm. So you are continuously investigating when you're talking to the owners, like, Hey, what, what happened that, you know, this point was it days ago, was it weeks ago? Right. Um, so yeah, I don't, does that answer your question a little bit? It does. And it made me think, what if we had an intake form of some kind, say you're at the ER, did you have any adverse childhood experiences? <laughs> and I say this with actual, I, I mean it, I, I can mm-hmm. only imagine what could happen, but then we don't have the time or the resources in that particular model. But it does answer my question. So basically what you're saying is that our body stores, just like the body keeps a score, it talks about this. That is the whole theme of the book, that the body stores little t and big t trauma throughout its life. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we don't even know how to move trauma also from the body. So let's let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. I know that the movement of trauma from our body is something that we hear a lot, but we're kind of like, what the heck does that even mean? having that is like a essential life skill in my opinion having the ability to process and move because it talks about that too toward the end of the book he goes into okay how can we actually start to move some of this stuff that's kind of stuck in our cells and our tissues and all the things i'm just curious what your what are some of your ways that you start to move things when you're feeling that let's say trauma buildup it's like your bucket is starting to get too full for your comfort well i would say what changed for me um, is awareness, right? Like, I think I talked about this again with like, um, one of my coaching groups, just in like a mental health space, but even in a physical space, like deeply being able to actually listen to your body. Right. So for people who have, and I was one of these people, right. Like chronic headaches or, um, you know, chronic pain in certain parts of your body. And, and for me, it wasn't necessarily like, um, related to endometriosis, like I've had neck issues um, and kind of just being aware that it's there instead of ignoring it or numbing it, right? Like there's a pill for every ill, you can take some ibuprofen and hope it works and then not, we just avoid it. 
right? Instead of your body sending you these signals and you ignoring them, I just was like, what is this telling me? Like even what is my diagnosis telling me, right? I got really curious with it. Um, and I, I think that it was a mindset shift too, right? In the, I don't know if you guys are feel this way, but even in like any, um, and this is slightly triggering because it was triggering to me when I first heard this. So just fair warning. Um, we'll put a trigger the, warning on the podcast episode. Yeah. Trigger the, warning. Whole episode is trigger warning. Um, <laughs> <Not> to- <laughs> in the endometriosis space. And I know because I use this all the time, you'll see like hashtag endo warrior, right? Like mm. you're a fighter. And I guess my, my argument to that is why do we have to be a fighter? Like, why are we fighting against ourselves? Why aren't, why isn't the hashtag endo healer? Mm. right like oh my gosh yes and that this is very this is calling me out because i always say hashimoto's warrior thyroid warrior mm. oh my gosh <laughs> keep going keep going i just had to throw that in there <laughs> I, I mean it, it was this, it was super like paralyzing to me to think that because i did feel like for so many years i was at war with my own body because that's what an auto we're told that's what autoimmune issues are right mm-hmm. like your body is just fighting itself and yeah something clicked for me that I was like, I'm not going to fight myself anymore. I'm so tired. Like Mm -hmm. I I remember maybe two years ago, I wrote this caption on my Instagram and it was just like, I'm just so tired. I'm so tired of fighting myself. I'm so tired of ignoring things. And I'd say that's where the, like the inner child work and the reparenting and learning that you don't have to be doing something all of the time. Like it's okay to rest. Mm -hmm. And there are periods of our lives where sometimes we need more rest and somebody that does have any type of autoimmune issue, maybe that's what you need for your whole life. Like maybe the first part of your life was so adverse, like you mentioned, that the next part requires that you learn how to rest properly. I think that that's so important. And I think like, just for an example, we were talking about this right before we started and about how we were all kind of like having a stressful day. And I, I started this morning, I had a a phone interview with a company and I got off the phone interview and I was just frazzled. Like my whole state was just off. I went downstairs and I was like almost in a panic state. And I was, I started like crying and I was like, what is, what is happening here? Like, and my initial thought was like, I did terribly in this interview. I'm a horrible person. Like I couldn't answer the questions. And then I was, and I'm a pretty good interviewer. I feel like, so I was like, I'm I'm terrible at this. And like, I'm being a baby. And and then I was like, wait a minute. And what it came down to after like talking to my husband for a little bit is for me, it like ignited this past trauma that I had at my last job. The whole reason I left my last job is because the CEO was didn't give two shits about who I was. And he was very in your face, very like snappy and very chaotic energy. Right. And I got on this call with this startup CEO and he had chaotic energy and he wasn't listening to me. He was 12 minutes late. He wasn't listening to me when I was answering something about myself. And then he was asking me all these very, very specific questions. And I got really flustered by his energy. And I got off the call being so angry with me. And then I was Mm -hmm. like, hold on a second. No, my body is sitting here. Like do not put me back in that. Do not put me back in that Mm -hmm. state. I cannot do this again. Like it brought up the exact feeling that I felt when I, every day, when I was in my previous toxic job, which was this state of panic every day, I felt panic. And it was, 
like a year, I've been out of this job for a year and that feeling what came full back in my body. And I was just like, but it was one of those things where I was like, oh, okay. So not only did this tell me like, this isn't the job for me, (laughs) but two, this is telling me like, I haven't fully worked through that. Like I left that job and I, you know, um, I let it go and I moved on from it and I'm doing something that I love much more now, but there's still a part, there's still pieces in me, a, that don't fully trust me, that inner child that I'm going to send myself back into a state of, of being like that. And then there's also just that, um, yeah, just that fear that's still like built up in the body. So when, when we were, when you were talking about that, it really like brought that up for me because I had like a whole moment this morning of like, wow, there's still stuff that you need to move through and, and like ignoring it doesn't just make it go away and your body will keep the score and it will be like, nah, remember how you used to feel <laughs> like, don't bring me back to that state. What's really cool though, is that you are much more aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. So you instantly or, or you know, within this conversation, you become aware of it. Um, you're not one of my clients, but if you were one of my clients, I guess I would ask you, Hey, so you're obviously activated. It triggered something that you knew you didn't like. You're aware of it. So what do you think little Jesse needs to mm-hmm. feel more protected now? Right. That's how you go back to rebalancing it. Right. It's, it's chronically reparenting right. all of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, that's what my husband said too. He's like, okay, so, so what would you tell little Jesse? Because I found this picture of me, like when I was really young and I'm freaking cute as shit. And I like, <laughs> so he's like, remember that picture? Like, what would you tell her? How would you make her feel? Because right now she's sitting here being like, don't do this to me again. Don't do this yeah. to me again. Like, how do you make her feel better? And like, you know, my brain is still wired, even through all of the work that I've done, that my first thought was to attack myself. This is my fault. I did poorly at this interview. I'm being a baby, all these things when what I, you know, needed to, or eventually did in that moment was like, sit with that, allow myself to have the emotions. And I still think that there's some stuff that like tonight, when I can log fully off of, of life that I can kind of sit with that and like, and think through that a little bit more and like, what can I do for little Jesse? But, but yeah, it's, that actually reminds me, I had wanted to talk to you about the inner child a little bit, because I've done a lot of trauma work and I've done, um, I've done some, I think it's called internal family systems. So like parts work work. type. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, it was really, really helpful for me to be able to kind of, um, take me and segment it. So I understand who is talking and who needed what, but my question for you is, can you explain what that, what does the inner child mean for people that are like, what does this mean when they're talking about little Jesse or whatever? And why is it so important that we connect with that part of ourselves? Yeah. So, I mean, I also was probably one of those people like three or four years ago, like, what is the inner child? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, I remember when I started the quote unquote reparenting journey, I was, I was, um, so confused. I was, I, I still probably am a very black and white person. Um, it's one of my like coping styles. Right. But I'm aware of it now. So uh, when this was brought up in my therapy, I was like, so like, what? Mm -hmm. And so I read a parenting book. Like Mm. I went and bought, um, this book called, I think it's the conscious parent. And it was bite-sized pieces. Like any of these books that I've honestly referenced bite-sized pieces, because there are a lot at once. Mm. And 
you know who I think does a really, really good job at breaking down parts or like the shadow parts of yourself, right? Because when they talk about parts, it's, it's all of you. It's what makes up you. The inner child is just one of those pieces. I think the holistic psychologist does a great job in her book, how to do the work, especially around like the ego. Mm -hmm. Um, And she even mentions the different archetypes in there, right? Of your childhood, which is why I think the inner child is so important because kind of at the root of everything, we all have like a schema, right? So for me and my inner child, it was always not being considered. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I get into fights or when I feel activated or when I pick a fight with my husband, I now know it's little me once again, that got poked. Right. And romantic partners can do this very fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you both have realized this. So it's like Mm -hmm. (laughs) they, they're mirror, right. Mm -hmm. Like they'll mirror what you're avoiding. Um, And the point is not to always get activated all the time, but on the flip side of that, they have one too. Right. So even these people that are like, oh, I had a perfect childhood or I didn't have any adverse, like, did you like, is, is everything perfect? Right. Because even really good parents sometimes didn't meet your emotional needs. Right. And that doesn't mean that you were neglected or like left in a closet or anything like that. It's just that we're all really unique individuals. Um, And so I would say the inner child going back to that, why it's so important is that it, it continuously will get brought up throughout your life. Mm-hmm. Right. So like right now you're activated because little Jesse is activated because it probably goes back to this wound that's in there that will always get poked at. Right. And you're not going to necessarily get rid of the wound. It's just becoming aware of it so that you can reparent yourself, recenter yourself faster. You have the tools to do that. You know, you cannot heal what you don't feel. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you said tonight, when you have the time to take up the space um, and really sit with yourself. Um, yeah, I, I, I think for me, I was very, very detached from my inner child. And in my definition, the inner child is the truest version of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. When you think of a child, they're very innocent and that is the most authentic version of yourself. So for someone like me, who was so far removed from it, so detached, no wonder I had a chronic issue in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Allie, recently I had this day, I wasn't, I wasn't honoring my cyclic energy. So I wasn't honoring my cycle mm-hmm. and I was in hustle mode when I mm-hmm. should have been in just coming inward, leaning into my intuition. My period was starting soon. I was feeling frazzled all over the place and triggered by all the little things. I took a step back and I did this without knowing that I did it in, in the sense of what does my inner child need? And what came to me in that moment was that I needed to rest. I needed to reflect. I needed to just have a day to myself. So it was a day that I bring my kid to my mom's, but instead of it being a day that I'm working and hustling and all the things, I relaxed. I sat in the sun all morning. I had this delicious lunch. I watched trashy TV and it ended up being exactly what I needed. And I actually felt so much better after that. It was such a great reminder that we have so many tools to help ourselves, which is freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. We don't have to wait for the next therapy session. I love therapy, but in between therapy, sometimes I'm a hot mess and (laughs) I need some freaking coping skills. So that was really powerful. I liked having that. Okay, cool. I know how to listen to my body and you may hear my freaking child in the background, (laughs) losing it. I'm sorry. This is called parenthood. (laughs) Hashtag almost four. Anywho, love her to death, but she's one of the reasons mommy sometimes needs a little break. (laughs) 
Well, and what's really interesting um, that you just said is that you love therapy. And my thing with that, I obviously I love therapy too. 68 sessions religiously, right? Like that's where my trauma work happened. But the work doesn't always happen in the therapy session, right? The work happens outside oh my gosh, of therapy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So much work happens outside of therapy. Mm-hmm. In fact, so Allie, I know that you love journaling. I'd love to segue into this a little bit because yeah. journaling has been freaking amazing for me. I don't know about you, Jess. You journal too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You love writing. We talked yeah. to that, that one guest. I have found that I get so many good downloads when I journal and I'm just curious you what are some of your favorite let's say methods how often should someone journal maybe share a few of your favorite prompts I I, when people hear journaling I think they don't get started because it feels really daunting yes where do I get the journal what pen do I use where do I sit (laughs) do I listen to music they they think of all the details and then they never get started so yes obviously I love journaling I teach a whole group coaching class surrounded around journaling there is no wrong way to journal that's Mm -hmm. what I always tell people when they're like how do I do this? Where do I start? And my, actually my recommendation is go pick out something that speaks to you, whether that be, you know, a very simple notebook to a fancy journal. I don't know, whatever you like, right. Don't listen to what everybody else is going to tell you to buy. Just buy one that speaks to you that you're going to use whatever pen you want, like whatever setting you want to do it in, whether that be morning, I am not a morning journaler. Um, I know a lot of people do like gratitude reflections in the morning that isn't what I started journaling for. So I started journaling when I was doing that round the world trip because I didn't realize that I was so detached from myself, right? Like I just, my, I am a homebody. So people are really like, wait, what? You just traveled for like a whole year living in a bag in your homebody. <laughs> and yeah, I am. That's what I found out about myself. Um, so when you're continuously moving every four or five days, you're continuously like in a state of like, oh my God, so that's when I started journaling because I, I didn't know what else to do with myself. Um, for me, when I get anxious, it turns into this like aggravation and irritation and I'm just generally really grumpy. Um, and then you mix chronic pain and then you mix like all, you know, not sleeping into that. And then it's just a disaster. So I just started brain, what I call brain dumping, right? Like I just would write whatever I wanted down. And I think the other thing that people don't or that stops them from starting journaling is that they're afraid to write something down because if you write it down, then it's permanent, right? So if you say it out loud, it's permanent. And that's where it was like a retraining, like feelings aren't always permanent. You Mm -hmm. can be mad at somebody. It doesn't mean that you hate them. Um, You know, you can be upset about something. It doesn't make the whole situation permanent. And that is where I started. Um, And I started writing about the experiences that I would have and like bad days too. Like you go back, um, and look at some of my older Instagram posts, it's, I was a blogger. So I would blog about a mental health journey while traveling and like what got Mm -hmm. brought up around that. Um, and then I kind of realized that it was something that was really important to me. I don't necessarily do it every day. Um, I do it when I want to, right? Like it's, (laughs) it's getting away from that shooting yourself. Like I should do it every day because Mm -hmm. that would be great. It's a great outlet if you do it every day. Um, but sometimes I don't feel like doing it. Uh, and so then I don't, um, the journaling class that I teach is I took this, um, uh, I don't even know, maybe a year ago, I took this creative writing class, um, taught by buddy Wakefield. He's a poet. Um, and it was in the angry therapist tat lab. So he had this really cool app or it's an app now. Um, and you, it's like a membership of classes 
Um, the class is no longer offered, but it was basically, he would give us a, a prompt and we had like five minutes to come up with something and write. And um, he would play like non-lyrical music for us. Um, and I was like, wow, this is a really cool concept. And then the class wasn't offered anymore. And uh, I was like, how can I like morph this into working into like a mental health setting? Because what I realized is a lot of artists, specifically writers, actually have like, or suffer with mental health issues as well, but they're really poetic about it, right? Mm -hmm. So like these things they're able to create art out of and like, how cool is that? You get to do something really cool with it. Um, so what I did is created something called journaling jams. And I think that's what you're talking about that, um, that I share about. Yeah, and, that program. Yeah, um, I would say it's lower cost. That's kind of the point of it. Um, it was to kind of make mental health care feel more affordable and not in a traditional setting, right? Like it's not scary. You don't have to share if you don't want to. You actually don't even have to talk. But what I've found is that the people that have taken the last two cohorts now are taking the third cohort and they're starting to fill or form this really cool relationship with each other. Um, and they actually don't know each other. That's the best part. So they know me. I know them from like either past jobs or they follow me on Instagram or whatever. Um, so it's been cool to see their journey. But basically what it is, is each week is themed. Um, so we talk about inner child, we'll talk about boundaries, codependency, we'll talk about physical health as well, like healthy habits, um, and holding themselves accountable as well. They get a weekend journal prompt. So I email them one on Fridays and then the class is Monday nights. And we talk about that one first, and then there's five prompts based around the theme and it's paired with music that I choose. Um, and then they get to share if they want to, which so far, everyone has um, towards the end of class. I love that, Ellie. What are some examples, just a few prompts that you might give someone, just some of your favorites that come to mind that don't necessarily go parallel with your program, but what are some that you feel are really powerful that someone could start with? I think it's where I started when I started using prompts was just like a check-in, like that you said at the beginning of the week, like, what are my goals for this week? What are my intentions? I think that's another big part of my own coaching that I do is being intentional with the, the choices, right? Like whatever it is, even if it's not necessarily like the right answer per se, or, you know, they get strayed from their overall vision and goal is were you intentional with it? Um, so that would be one of the ones I would recommend. Um, I don't always stick to the same prompts either. I should say, um, I actually don't know if I've ever reused a prompt now that I'm thinking about this because when I, even when I'm coaching somebody one-on-one -on -one, part of my coaching services is that I give you prompts to think about at the end of the session. So I take notes during my sessions, but they don't have to. Mm. Um, and it's just a reflection for them. And just at the end, it's like, Hey, I'm going to, I do like an email, um, within 24 hours, just, these are what I took away from it these are some of the prompts that I would recommend you journaling on and, and sitting with, right? Like Jesse, how you mentioned, like you're going to go take up the, the space at tonight for yourself. That's kind of what I do with people at the end. They don't have to use it by any means. Um, but yeah, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I really don't reuse prompts because they change all the time. Yeah. 
yeah, depending on like what, what you need in that way. There's, there's one thing that I wanted to bring up that's a little bit off the, the journal side, but I, there was a post that you posted actually back in September that said, um, at the root of all chronic illness, there's a deficiency in self-love. And I remember reading that and being like, damn, okay. <laughs> like, and so I just wanted to see if you could like elaborate on that just a little bit more and why you feel that way, because I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people would, will connect with that. Yeah. So also I should preface with everything that I write is usually something that I have experienced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's most of the time, very after the fact, um, just, yeah, I don't know. I don't, but know I think it's not. helpful to say that because then people understand we're not up here on our high horse. Hey, you should totally get up here too. It's, Hey, I've been through some shit and I want to help you either yeah. not go through it at the same, at the same level or frequency that I did, or maybe avoid it altogether or, Hey, let me hold your hand through it. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, I wish I could remember where that it wasn't that I saw it somewhere. It was this concept though. Um, but basically what that means is like, when you think about it and I, I use myself as an example, just because I can talk about myself as much as I want without breaching any confidentiality. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but so for me, the root of shame, right? Like I know this, I've worked really hard to know this. That doesn't mean that it's gone away because I know it though. Right. Mm. Um, so when it's, when I'm talking about self-love, right. And the deficiency with it, like I'm extremely hard on myself. I'm extremely critical of myself. Um, back to like that parts thing, right. If you watch some of my reels, like they're funny, but that's very true. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I talk a lot about the inner critic and how can you love yourself if you're continuously being so critical of yourself? Um, and that's where that perfectionist mindset comes in. And I don't necessarily think that the perfectionist in me is a result of my adverse childhood. I think that it is something that, well, I guess maybe yes and no. I think it's just something that I adopted probably in my late teens where it was like, I'm going to be the best at everything that I do. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's no in between. And that's where that black and white um, thinking came into play. Um, And yes, I guess it does tie back to always wanting to be good enough. Um, But that is where I know that I have to work on, you don't even have to love yourself, but you have to start with liking yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like liking your story, being open to sharing it, being open to talking about it. There is so much power and vulnerability. And that's why I am so open about my story. And it's not necessarily like a, a marketing tool or anything like that, but that is part of healing to me is talking about it and letting my shame take up space in the room. Mm-hmm. What comes to mind is pain into purpose. Mm. Instead yeah. of our pain just existing in this strange ethos, it's, hey, this can become something that actually helps someone else. Mm-hmm. And that is super powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think sharing and being vulnerable is like, it's something for me that has always come easily. It's something that I've always done. In fact, to the point where sometimes maybe I overshare a little bit too much. I feel the same, Jesse. (laughs) I'm always like, did I say too much? Are they going to think I'm a freak? I know. And every time I do that and you know, you have your like little vulnerability Instagram post hangover. And then I get, you know, like 20 messages being like, oh my God, I feel that same way. Or I know someone that's gone through the same thing, or I, you know, I'm going through that right now. And I just really appreciate you talking about it. Cause I think like you said, it's not 
it's not a marketing ploy. It's like, I'm, I'm just sharing what I'm going through because I know, I know that at least one other person out there is going through it and they're too afraid to talk about it, or they feel like they're the only one. And if I can even just make somebody feel like they're not the only one, because I hate feeling like I'm the only one, you know, then that's, that's worth the 10 minute vulnerability hangover, you know? (laughs) And what that brings up for me is something that I heard, you know, more recently, I saw this post, um, about, I don't remember what type of cancer this woman had, but, um, it wasn't like poor me, like it was terminal. I know that much. Um, it wasn't poor me. It wasn't like, how could this happen to me? It was okay. I have this. How can I help other people who also have this? Right. Because we're not meant to heal alone. We're meant to heal in community. Um, we're meant to I do think, everything in community and exactly. healing we've, should be the no brainer of that, let alone everything else. Yeah. We've just gotten as a society, I would say we've gotten very far removed from the community aspect of yes. things. Um, so when you're, t- when you're talking about that, it, that's what it brings up for me is like the idea that healing outward, right. helps other people, not just yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys heard of the red tent? When Mm -hmm. you're, I don't even know how to describe it. Well, maybe you have Jesse and you can describe it better. I don't think so. (laughs) I guess the idea is that when you're on your period, you go into this red tent and you're basically loved on and you get to relax and rest and reflect. And there's this village, it's a whole community and you're supported by your village mates. Mm -hmm. I love things like that. It's the, mm-hmm. one of the reasons I want to have a tiny home compound. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this. This is completely off topic. I know we're wrapping up soon, but there is a community, even in Sacramento, there's eight communities actually that are what are called co-housing. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like 30 plus people who all have this development that they buy into or they rent and they have shared meals each week. They are, it's, it's like this super tight knit community feel. I'm just, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm into the village. Let me just say that. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely love that idea as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Just coming into community. Allie, I feel like we have covered so much during this interview. Is there anything that you feel is really important that we did not touch on before we move to our last few questions? Just anything that you feel it would you would want to leave? I know we've probably touched on everything, but just in case, you have so many good nuggets. Um, I think, you know, I think it's just kind of like, I recognize that some of what I say or share is not just triggering, but like, it's not the norm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I think that was really hard for me to, to start doing because it's, you know, it's slightly controversial and nobody wants to put all of their stuff out there to just ruffle feathers and make people feel bad. So that's definitely not what I'm trying to do whatsoever. Um, I think it's showing that like, there's an evolution in my own healing journey. Um, and it's really changing the way that I used to think about things. Um, so I, when I do share some of this stuff, like even the deficiency of self-love or that these chronic issues are tied to something, um, or that, there's an emotional aspect to autoimmune issues, right? Like it's not necessarily to make people feel bad. It's just to, to share like, Hey, if you approach it from a different lens, right. 
Um, yeah. You're not downplaying you? it. You're not downplaying people's how they feel or how, how sick they are. You're just saying like, Hey, let's look at it from a different side. Maybe there's something else that we can do from this other side that can be really helpful. That's the whole point of holistic healing, right. Is to look at it from like all the sides versus just like, I can only take this pill and this is the only way to do something. Right. And how well, many people, and- Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, how many people do we know they've done all the things and they're Mm. still not at that pivotal place where they feel like they've truly made strides? I feel like (laughs) this is that missing piece. Me. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I feel like this is that missing Mm -hmm. piece. How many times, for example, Josie, have we talked about trauma on the podcast recently? We've had Um, so many guests. And what mm -hmm. I love is they all talk about it differently. Right. So what Allie's brought today is different than what our other guests have brought they all have an such a unique take on it but to me this keeps coming up because we can do all the things but if we're not addressing these it's like the foundation of a house mm-hmm. right we can build the windows and the doors and all the things but if we don't have the the actual foundation then it really won't matter mm-hmm. and what i'm starting to see is it seems like this trauma work and this inner work and the nervous system and all the things that's that cement that has to get poured first and then we start building all the other things like the supplements and all that mm-hmm. well it's also kind of to provide a feeling of hope right like i have I would love to hear somebody not have to hit rock bottom. Like I remember my rock bottom. I remember lying in a bed in Cambodia with my husband thinking to myself that I was never going to feel good ever. Mm -hmm. It was never going to happen. And I am here now and I'm proud to say that I am one year without a flare. And even if I ever had a flare again, that doesn't defeat all of the energy or the time put into my healing, right? Like your whole podcast name, chronically healing, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is something that I will do for the rest of my life. But if it just provides one person looking at their healing through a different lens and that's the shift for them, that's my hope with sharing some of this controversial or slightly ruffling things that, you know, triggered me, right? Like Mm -hmm. these thoughts triggered me. And that's what it took for me to realize like, Hey, there are other ways to look at your foundation of your house, if you will. Yeah. Usually whatever's triggering you is because there's something there (laughs) that you need to dig deeper into, right? Like that's Uh why like I've, I've found for myself and I've found for other people, when I feel people like people are triggered by something that I say, I'm like, this isn't a me thing. This is, this is a you thing. Like, you know, and it's hard in the moment, but, but it's so true. But one of my favorite questions to ask people, and I want to make sure that we ask this of you, Allie, is what are a few things that you like to do every day that keep you feeling your best? I'd say that's probably, um, changed a lot as of lately, since I literally, you know, right now I'm living in an Airbnb. Um, mm-hmm. and I would say I've been stripped of the things that I am so used to, but on the flip side of that, that's taught me that like your healing and your tools are not from outward, right? It's all inward. So, um, I journal, Mm -hmm. I try to spend direct time in the sun. I'm very fortunate now to live in a place where it's sunny every day. Um, I try to focus on eating whole foods, right? So avoid processed foods but I've also learned not to shame myself when I don't follow like the perfect diet that I'm supposed to follow. Um, drinking water, like it's very (laughs) basic things like drinking water. Um, when I definitely feel very activated, it's walking my dog. Uh, it's being grateful about the things that I know, no matter where I live, 
um, where I moved to that I will have, right? And that was the big part of when we relocated is I'm not doing this without my pets this time. So wherever we go, they're coming. Um, yeah, those, those are the basic things that I really do focus on. I would say before, um, for me, rebalancing included water. So mm -hmm. I would use a bath. Obviously, I don't have a bath now, but I have the ocean. So mm -hmm. it's like those types of things. And Allie, is there anywhere that people can connect with you if they want to learn more about all of these wonderful things that we've discussed, especially journal and jams? I wanted to actually do that program. I, I may <laughs> do that in the future. Jesse, we should do it together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know my dates of my next cohort, but it's next year. So oh, cool. um, I would say Instagram is my main focus. Um, that's where I do a lot of my content, but I share a lot of tips tidbits here and there. It's also probably the easiest way to get a hold of me because I use it as like direct messaging. My website has a lot more detail of like who I am, how I started, my background. Um, so as told by al.com. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty simple. And as told by al is my handle on Instagram as well. Cool. Yeah. We'll make sure to have everything linked in the show notes so that everybody can get to you quickly and on our Instagram post when we put this live, but thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We've really yeah. enjoyed this conversation and I'm, I'm excited for everybody to hear from you. And I think, I think our listeners are going to love it. Yeah. Me yeah, too. Thank you so much for having me. It was really, really great to be here.